Heritage Minutia is recorded on the traditional and unceded territories of the Wallastigwell and the Mi'kmaq. Ah, the 15th century. The golden age of discovery when men were men and colonialism was disguised as exploration. When maps were at once freakishly accurate but also contained made-up places? A time when kids could aspire to grow up and become a guy who set sail to claim things for the king. And while it was the journeys of Christopher Columbus that have come to define Western understanding of this time period, there was another Italian who got more than he bargained for when he strayed into the cod-filled waters off the coast of what would come to be known as the island of Newfoundland. This week on Heritage Minutia, what the hell was John Cabot up to? Hi, Jenna. How are you doing? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? Oh, you know, living this isolation life, starting to talk to walls. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't think there's like a real like official announcement from Heritage Minutia on COVID-19 like every other brand has been trying to do. But this is obviously our first time recording since COVID-19 was declared a pandemic by the World Health Organization. So our recording routine has changed yeah. a little bit. What a bummer. This is our first episode where me and Gigi are not in the same room. Yeah, I just want to come come to your house and eat your food. <laughs> well, we just got groceries today, so I would love to have you, except I'm not allowed. I'll just go social distance myself. I'll go sit across the road and just put the tap on. <laughs> and in the I can just road. throw things at you. <laughs> <laughs> there was a pig farmer in PEI who was doing that. He was... Uh, you could still show up and like buy bacon and sausages and stuff from him and you would roll down your window and he would throw them See? into your car. Social distancing at its best. <laughs> but real talk, it's been um, really difficult, obviously, for basically everybody. This is um, something that for the most part, everybody alive today has never lived through on this magnitude. Obviously, the last great pandemic was the Spanish flu in 1918. And um, I mean, that was over 100 years ago at this point. So we're taking it day by day. Life's changing really, really quickly. But thankfully, we are still able to do this show. There are obviously. (laughs) I mean, there are different, um, different procedures and processes in place, but we are here. I'm here to stay. Stay home, people. Like (laughs) Exactly. Stay home and listen to this podcast. We'll give you the entertainment you want. In our last episode, we talked a little bit about Newfoundland and Vikings. And as promised, this week we are returning to Newfoundland, again, due to just the crazy kind of unprecedented nature of the world right now. We had to do a little bit of switcherooing in our guest schedule. So the guest who was originally scheduled for this week will be on a future week. But for now, we have a very special guest with us, and he is in the room with me. That is because it is our show's producer. You may know him from his work on The Rules, on Welcome to Tinseltown, on The Create Unknown, and on a show that's currently in development called Everyone Else in Space. Please welcome to the show, Adam Gadong. Producer is a, 
<laughs> I know that's how it's still said in credits, but it has become quite a stretch. You uh, you produced the show, truly. <laughs> I, I was wait, I was wondering you when had... Adam was going to come take over the show, you know? like I think this was meant <laughs> to be like an Adam and, and Gigi baller. show. The Adam and Gigi show. Okay. <laughs> That'd be funny. We'll just talk about how much we both like you. Yeah. Aww. You'll love it. Um, yeah, Guys, hi, everyone. Thank you. Uh, w- welcome. I'm doing great with COVID-19. That's good. Just staying Are you home. washing your hands? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I love washing my hands. <laughs> Mine is starting to turn white. Like, I, I don't know what to do from this point. <laughs> but this time, I'm going to be passing as, like, you know, I'm going to have that white privilege. <laughs> so, Adam, the subject at hand for today is the Heritage Minute about John Cabot. Yes, Mr. Cabot. I'm aware. You are aware of him. Were you aware of him before I made you watch the Heritage Minute to come on this episode? Not completely but maybe okay i might be familiar with there I, i've heard a story before spoiler alert because we're about to talk about the heritage minute i've heard a story before about people in canada or somewhere saying that they could like walk on the water because there was so many fish mm-hmm. i feel like based off of the footage i just saw that might be related but i don't know is the cabot trail named after this idiot they yes. could walk on water because of the fish yeah, we'll yeah, dig that, into that, that in like a minute. The, okay, yeah. The, yeah. I've heard that story before that people claimed that. Yeah. Are you sure they didn't and see And of course, Jesus? Gigi on our last episode. <laughs> <laughs> that is who I am thinking of. Yeah, I got two of the stories mixed up. The bread and the fish and the water walking one. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> so, of course, on our last episode, our wonderful guest, Amanda Sardi, talked a little bit about John Cabot and her experience growing up there in Newfoundland. Before that, Gigi, had you heard of John Cabot? <laughs> no, I have never heard about this dude before. Well. He's definitely a dude. I mean, from from the Heritage Minute, I just figured out, you know, and also his name is John Cabot, so I'm guessing he's a dude. Yeah, I mean, his name isn't even John Cabot, but we'll talk about that in a minute. So Jonathan you just mentioned Cabot. <laughs> or Jonathan Cabot. Is it Cabot or Ca- Jonathan Cabot? That's correct. Is there a special way of saying his name? Because like, I feel like I keep on saying it wrong. No, no just John Cabot. So after having watched the Heritage Minute, Gigi, what? What can what do you remember about the Heritage Minute? What's the history that we're digging into here? It's when he goes back and tries to convince the king and the queen that there's cod in Newfoundland. And then I remember fish. Yeah, that's pretty much it. (laughs) So, yes, this Heritage Minute is called John Cabot. The year depicted is 1497. We're going back to the fifth century. (laughs) Good year. What happened that year? (laughs) They found a lot of fish. I know yeah. that for a fact. <laughs> found a ton of fish. So here is what happens in the Heritage Minute. As always, we recommend that you um, look it up for yourself on YouTube. You can follow our social media pages. We always share the video link of the upcoming minute. But here is the lowdown of what happens. So the year is 1497 and John Cabot is awakened by his ship's crew who have spotted something peculiar in the sea below. A quick glance over the side reveals that the ocean is full of cod, so full that the ship appears to be sailing on a sea that's more fish than water. John Cabot returns to the court of Henry VII and says that there is no longer a need to venture to Iceland, as these new waters that he and his crew discovered have enough cod to feed the entire kingdom. What? What? (laughs) Isn't Newfoundland farther away than Iceland? Like, am I getting confused here? Or were they, like, in contest with somebody over over Iceland? That I don't know. What nationality is John? He is Italian. 
We'll talk about him in a minute. Okay, I'm just wondering where they came yeah. from. That's all. Like, just because like he was saying that it's far away from Iceland. He was Italian, but he served the court of Henry VII, which is in England. Uh-huh. So technically, yes, Iceland is closer. But I don't know. Maybe the wa- the conditions, the sailing conditions were more poor. I don't know. Too I have no... It's too cold. Uh, no, Iceland's not cold. <laughs> not at, yeah. I have no insight into why they were like, oh, great. Finally, we don't have to fucking go to Iceland anymore. But I they do- just hated Iceland so much. <laughs> like, listen, it's going to be an extra one month journey, but at least we don't need to go to freaking Iceland anymore. That place sucks. I do know that the goal of these journeys was a couple things. So one, to colonize, two, to map the coastlines. Maybe there was like the added bonus of like, hey, we can go to Newfoundland and not only like take all their fish, but also move in and. But was this pre to our map? Was this pre the Vikings going to Newfoundland or after the Vikings? No, this is like 500 years after. Oh, whoa. Yeah. We'll also talk about that in a second. But John Cabot and this ship depicted in the minute were the first Europeans since the Vikings to visit what would become Canada. Other people had visited like North America, rather what would become North America, but only John Cabot and the Vikings at this time had visited what would become Canada. John Cabot, as we already mentioned, he is of Italian nationality and his name was actually Giovanni Caboto. Oh boy, I now know why he changed it. (laughs) I think you fight him right before the Elite Four. (laughs) (laughs) You're saying this is a... A gym leader in Pokemon? Yeah, I think there was a gym leader named Giovanni. Just Giovanni? <laughs> Probably was. So something that happens a lot with these colonialists is when they're taught, their histories are taught in school here or talked about here, their names are anglicized. I assume to make them like more palatable, like it's kind of like, Hey, I'm your Uncle John. I came in and colonized, but it wasn't a really big deal. Because I don't think Giovanni Caboto is really hard to say. Like, I think school children. But then again, who would be afraid of someone named Giovanni? (laughs) Like, Giovanni sounds like a hairdresser. Yeah, like someone who's just going to be, I'm just going to cut hair today. Like, girl, what do you need today? My name is Giovanni. I'm here to take care of you. Exactly, I guess. But John's also not that. But like, it's like no. But this is like John's every anyway. white man was named John. Then, like, if you look at Pocahontas, John, That's and it was true. also like, oh, he's friendly, but no, wait, he's your colonizer. Yeah, Giovanni was a Pokemon gym leader. <laughs> he was Meridian a Pokemon gym leader. Silly. Yeah, he was also the leader of uh, Team Rocket, apparently. Level 42, Doug Trio. Level 44, Nato Queen. 45, Nato King. 45, Rhyhorn. And 50, Rhydon. Pretty good. Pretty good stats. Yeah. Not, I, it's really important that I know that you're on the same page, though. This Giovanni, not a Pokemon gym leader. I understand. <laughs> okay. I'm just bringing up that old John was in uh, Pokemon as well, and that's important to me. Are we going to talk about the actual recording of this minute at, at all? Oh, we I've, definitely are. Okay. Yes, Giovanni Caboto, born in Italy. And he was granted permission by Henry VII to sail west and discover a route to Asia and to colonize any other unclaimed lands <laughs> that um, they happened upon. Before he served Henry VII, 
John Cabot kind of bounced around Europe doing all kinds of different jobs. He was in Spain for a little while. Presumably he was in Italy for a little while. But the 15th century, which is the century that this minute is based in, is now known, as you may have heard, as either the Age of Discovery or the Age of Exploration. It's a century that's come to be defined by these (laughs) missions to colonize, basically. Now, at the time, they were kind of like, the missions are for us to discover Asia so we can make like trade routes with Asia, aka so we can like con people in Asia out of their goods. Um, But anyway, that's another podcast for another time. So this is when you see figures like John Cabot and like Christopher Columbus getting the backings of different royal families, different governments to go and claim land. So exactly in the last episode, really, what Leif Erikson was doing for Eric the Red. Okay. Go find for me what's out there. If you find land, settle it. And now it's part of our whole colony, basically. Hmm. What they couldn't couldn't colonize for their own countries? Well, I don't know why John Cabot represented the house of england i mean at the time it would have been just because england was a powerhouse did he i I can't remember you might have already said this do we do we know for sure that he was representing england or was he just asking for permission to do it for uh spain or italy or wherever he was from? yeah so as you see depicted in this minute at the end the people that he is addressing is the court of henry the seventh which is like the court that he worked for so this is notable because Henry VII actually marks the beginning of the House of Tudor in the English monarchy. So basically the periods of the English monarchy are divided into what family was in power at the time. So currently we're under the House of Windsor because that's the family name of Queen Elizabeth. But this marks the beginning of the House of Tudor, which for anybody who has seen the Tudors or knows anything about England during the reign of the Tudors, it was a very like grisly, gruesome time. But this is just the beginning. So obviously they're setting a great precedent with colonialism. <laughs> right. <laughs> and the Tudors is like a reality TV show. Like they filmed this. Yeah, it's all actual footage from the 15th really? century. That's it's impressive. like a found footage kind of show. It's a reality no, TV really show from second. the 15th century. Yes, she Because I was going to go they watch it. it in the 15th century. I was, I was about to go watch it now. I don't know. It might be like kind of like a keeping VCR. up the Kardashian situation. <laughs> it's more of a Downton Abbey kind of thing, which is just as dramatic as reality TV, if you ask me. So anyway, when John Cabot first saw Newfoundland on his colonial mission, Griffin and Rip it, baby. Griffin and Rip it, baby. <laughs> having a cold one, Gigi? What? Having a cold yeah, one? Yeah, you gotta, you gotta stay awake. I'm having water. I got bubbly mm-hmm. water. Yeah. Show me the can. Put that a little closer See? to the camera, Gigi. Like right, right there, bubbly water. <laughs> oh, Sponsored yeah. by no, no, no. Never mind. I'm gonna keep quiet now. <clears throat> I'm not sponsored by Bubbly so, by anyone out there in the world. No, but if you want to sponsor us, would love to be sponsored. Heritage minutia at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. All right, keep telling me about Giovanni Capote. <laughs> so was he the inventor of Kubota? Yes, he was the inventor of Kubota. That's Thank impressive. You. He discovered fish and Kubota. I don't even know what to say to that. It's so dumb. <laughs> When John Cabot and his crew were on this mission depicted in the Heritage Minute and they saw land, obviously they didn't know it was Newfoundland, but there are three different land masses that they thought they were seeing. And I would like to know from the two of you, 
one of what those land masses. What do you think John Cabot thought he was looking at when he saw Newfoundland? Labrador. China. So Asia is one of them, okay. which they were looking for Asia. So he was like, great, we found it. It was not Asia. There's another country that they thought they were looking at. Is it a real country? Is it, it Atlantis? Is, this one is a real country. Okay. Though they thought it was an island. It's not an island. It's a part of another continent. Uh, oh, Russia? Spoiler. No. Starts with a B. Britannia? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Brazil. Wait. At the time, it was believed that Brazil was an island. And so after Asia, what? their next These best guess was Brazil. <laughs> what? That one's not even hard to debunk because it's like, we can never sail around it. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a big island. Yeah, it's a continent. <laughs> you so then idiots. The third landmass that they hypothesize that they might be looking at, there's no way in hell either of you have ever heard of this. They thought maybe it was the island of the seven cities. Have either of you heard of the well, island, the island of, the of the Seven Cities? What yeah, is the sure. island of the Seven Cities? Tell me cities. more, Adam. It's in every fantasy book ever, probably. That's what it sounds like. It's like straight out of a fantasy novel. So, on many 15th century maps, you can find something called the Island of the Seven Cities. First of all, poorly named because it was a grouping of four islands. So, they were just wrong. From the first count, there. they're wrong on the number, wrong on the, <laughs> but the, on the island. Did they ever have? So they didn't never had like any sense of naming things, though. Well, oh, they no. actually did. The Caribbean was very well mapped at that point. The coastlines of Europe were um, the maps were as accurate. I mean, not quite as accurate, but very accurate compared to what we know them to be today. But the island of the seven cities was <laughs> conveniently a grouping of four often sighted but never visited islands in the Caribbean. <laughs> so people would sail by and be like, there it is, the island of the seven cities. Eh, but we're on our way to Mexico, so there's nothing for us to see there. So all of these different people believed that the island of the seven, city, seven cities, also called Antilia, was that a real a place. So they were all just marking it on each other's maps, but no one was actually visiting it. And so it was figured out later that they were just seeing different sides of islands that were already mapped. And so it didn't actually So exist. they were naming, they were naming and marking the same island over and over again. Yeah. So yeah. So they why? would see like, they would see like Haiti from an angle they'd never seen before and be like, that's it, Antilia. And then they would put it on their map. Wow. Why seven cities? I don't know. Why not zero cities? I assume <laughs> that that was how they believed the four islands were structured, that there were like a variety of cities. Again, probably. I guess they would have human seen human development. Yeah. From offshore. I guys, I am just as baffled about this as you are. Of course, none of those guesses were correct, as it did turn out to be Newfoundland, an island that at the time would have been inhabited by the Beothics and Inuit and Mi'kmaq, and that's it. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> so the Vikings got her to dodge, or what? What do you mean? <laughs> Did they leave? The Vikings were there, weren't they? For 10 years. That's it. That's it? Wow. Like 500 like, years before are this. Are they like home flippers? Like they went in and <laughs> <laughs> did their stupid stuff and built their... Uh, 
I, what are they, the triangle things? The Vikings built their like lodge looking. Are they triangles? I can't no, remember. They I'm, lived gonna, inside. I'm done. I'm done. I have to ask you a serious question at this point. What? You were in the room for our previous recording, right? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't paying super close attention. Yeah, you were playing p- online poker. I remember. Of course, as I already mentioned, the 15th century is known as the Age of Discovery or Age of Exploration. This is defined by a bunch of different trips. Um, but another big name from this time is Christopher Columbus. So Yeah, the C yeah. man. C stands for something other than Big Columbus. Daddy himself. Colonialist. So Christopher Columbus was also Italian. His real name was Cristoforo Colombo. Oh, boy. oh, that's confusing. Go back <laughs> that to one, one, yeah, he definitely Which... needed to change it. <laughs> so he landed uh, on a similar mission in what would become America in 1492, as everybody knows from the popular rhyme. So just five years before John Cabot went to Newfoundland. But all of this is happening, as you can tell, at the same time. Everybody's trying to get a little slice of the new world new only to them because, of course, people had already lived there for years and years and years and years. At this point, it's become quite trendy for monarchs to send voyages around the world. John Cabot did eventually return from his 1497 journey. And as you see, at the end of this heritage minute, he returns to the court of Henry VII and tells the good news, which is that there's lots of food there. Yay, everything is good and we can feed the kingdom forever. Not do they know. That's not how we work. <laughs> Henry VII is so impressed that in the very next year, 1498, he permits John Cabot to go out on another expedition, this time with a flotilla of up to six boats. So on his journey in 1497, it was just, as far as I can tell, just the one boat, John Cabot and his crew. So in the next year, 1498, he can have up to six boats. He decides to take a flotilla of five and they are going back to see what they can find. And that is the last anybody heard from John Cabot. Whoa. Yeah, because he started his trail. <laughs> he got here, he's like, gotta start cutting down trees. Or my name isn't Giovanni Caboto. <laughs> Caboto. Caboto. <laughs> Hold the on. Fu- so okay. he was definitely a confidence man, right? He came back and he's like, oh, there's so many fish. <laughs> oh my gosh. Give me, I don't know, six, seven boats. I don't give a shit. Just give me six, seven boats. I'll head off. I'll find all these fish. I'll bring them back. How are you going to bring the fish back? doesn't matter. Just give me the boats. Uh, bye. Well, you know how I'll he's going to bring you. them back. Oh, oh, you want my home address? Oh, sure. It's uh, one, two, three in the island of the seven cities, bitch. <laughs> Maybe that's where he's <laughs> hiding. Fun finding me. Yeah. The island. Hear me out. Okay. Gigi, you're on to something. The island of the seven cities is real. Yeah. And Giovanni Caboto is still alive and living yep. there. Is it, so the island's like unstuck in time. I don't know. It's like, you know, maybe All he went through Giovanni the Bermuda Triangle. <laughs> Ooh. The inventor of Caboto, the discoverer of fish and the creator of the Bermuda And they triangle. found the fountain wow. of youth, just like the Pirates of the Caribbean, you know? Yeah. I mean, this mm. is... This is all the stuff that biographers don't want you yep. to know about John Cabot. But Adam, you did touch on something very interesting there about how did they bring the fish back all the way from Newfoundland, which we'll get to in a minute. Okay, okay, yeah. A little preparation a, called salted cod. You can smoke the. Can you not smoke them? You can smoke it. You can salt it. There's all kinds of yeah. different ways. Okay, so their so their intent was that they were bringing back a food source like for England, and not that they had found a food source, which meant that they'd found a new place they could colonize. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. 
couldn't they just like put a big net out and drag all the fish back? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I'm not a 15th century fisher person. There Maybe is one. Giovanni, apparently. <laughs> there is one remaining mystery about the disappearance of John Cabot's flotilla, which is if you look at the maps produced by the court of Henry VII at the time, they include map data from the area where this flotilla was meant to be colonizing and surveying. So though there is no record of the five ships returning, it's believed that possibly one did because there's no other known way for these 15th century maps to have this data on it. There is a remaining mystery, and obviously it's something we will never know. They may discover the shipwreck one day, but um, there'll be very little left. Obviously, it's been underwater for over 500 years at this point. Oh, they just messaged in a bottle it. (laughs) Yeah. It's efficient. They addressed it to England, and then they threw it overboard. Yeah. (laughs) With his last dying breath, he threw it into the sea. (laughs) And then a cod came up and was like, I got you, and swam it over to England. Or maybe use some birds and some pigeons. You never know. Seagulls, whatever you can find out there. I don't think Giovanni had any flying type, though. It was all, <laughs> I think, mostly Earth type. From what I saw on Wikipedia. Yeah, on PokeWiki or whatever you were just on. Yes. Yeah. So that kind of cuts John Cabot's timeline short. He. What a shame. <laughs> <laughs> what a shame. He had such a bright future ahead of him. As a colonizer. So basically he just His... found fish. That's pretty much it. He found a bunch of fish. That's why time. he's in history. And he found fish. Learn about, yeah. He and found he didn't fish. even find them. Someone just showed them to him. They're like, look, look at all these fucking fish. He's like, oh, sick. <laughs> and tell John about this. Well, if you'll remember from Amanda telling us on the last episode, if you grew up in Newfoundland, you'd learn that John Cabot like discovered Canada. Wow. So there's that aspect of the uh, of the mythology as well. But, but if um, he did discover Canada, he would have like... That is so, so he just discovered like a portion of Canada. He didn't discover the whole Canada. Yeah. And I mean, you discovered <laughs> the second last province and or territory to join Canada. Canada became a country in 1867. Newfoundland doesn't come into the equation until 1949. So... Not the Vikings. Oh, yeah. The Vikings were there first. Yeah. Right? Before Cabot. Yeah. Listen, I don't write the history textbooks. All I do is read them and tell you what I found. This is what I found. I mean, you raise a really good question, both of you, really, about why this minute exists, why John Cabot is such an important person in history. The interesting thing about this minute to me and probably to a lot of folks as well is actually the story of cod in Newfoundland. Cod has come to define the identity of Newfoundland as a province and as a people for a lot of reasons. Obviously, as you can tell in this heritage minute, cod was at one time abundant off the shores of Newfoundland. And I believe that John Cabot's report of seeing, of looking down and having the illusion that the ship was actually moving on cod and not water is probably not that far off the truth. If you think of, you know, a big school of cod near the surface, that's probably really what it looked like. And there is a time when cod was plentiful in the waters off of Newfoundland. So cod was fished traditionally off Newfoundland for 
hundreds of years by indigenous people and uh, later by settler communities. It was fished for subsistence. So you would feed your own family. You would feed your neighbors, you know, any senior members of your community who, who couldn't fend for themselves. It was just a very like plentifully available source of food. And it was fished for centuries responsibly. The people who lived there understood you can't fish all of it or there'll be no more. So they were very responsible with how they fished it. That changes, of course, in the 20th century with the introduction of commercial fishery. But so this Heritage Minute, Mm -hmm. it's showing me John, buddy John. Yes. Just figuring out that there's fish in the water. Mm -hmm. I mean. How is it relevant? I I don't get it. So if you look at Canada as a country, I think it's fair to say that different provinces have different things wrapped up in their identities. And it's not to say that these aspects are like reductive in any way, but like, I think it's fair to say that Alberta is defined by oil. Saskatchewan is defined by wheat. These different provinces are all defined by the industries that take place, PEI, one time defined by potatoes, now defined by soy and tourism. So I think it is fair to say that a central part of Newfoundland's identity is, well, was and still remains the cod fishery. I'm a little bit disappointed that this minute didn't delve into that a little bit more, but there is actually a very good reason for that. So like I said, in the 20th century, commercial fishing really took off. Cod was one of the most popular food fishes in the entire world. So, you know, you go to the grocery store, you have your Captain Highliner fish sticks. Most of that's haddock, but right beside that, you're going to find the breaded and battered cod. It's just incredibly popular. It's available all over the world. And most of it at the time was fished off the coast of Newfoundland. You know, I don't think I've ever so had tasted cod before. It's very strong tasting. It's it's very it's a very fishy fish. Is mm. how people usually describe it. I don't think I've ever tasted cod before. We'll change that. That'll be next episode. We'll have a we'll do a bonus a mukbang. Gg taste cod for the first time. <laughs> a mukbang. <laughs> yeah. We'll bring Amanda on. We'll do a cod. Is mukbang. it a mukbang or mukbang? I always say mukbang. I've never said it out loud in my life. <laughs> Probably mukbang. for the best. Commercial fishing operations come in from all over the world, representing all of these big companies and just start fishing like crazy. The Department of Fisheries and Oceans is an entity that exists under the government of Canada, but at the time the restrictions around fish and cod were extremely lax. There's tons in the water, so take what you want. The fish will reproduce and there'll be more. When was this? This was in the 20th century. Okay, okay. That proved to not be true. And as anybody with like a brain can probably imagine overfishing just contributes to the depletion of a population. You can't ravage a population and expect them to bounce back easily or in a way that continues to appease your capitalistic needs. So in 1992, the Department of Fisheries and Oceans placed a moratorium on fishing cod, which means no more cod fishing. So suddenly all of these companies that relied on the cod fishing had to leave. But what did these companies bring to Newfoundland? Jobs. Jobs. Yeah. That's right. 
So on the one hand, obviously the protections that were put in place were great for the COD. And to me, that's what's important at the end of the day is that the Department of Fisheries and Oceans looked at this population that had gone from thriving to basically decimated in a century and said, we have to do something. The sad thing is it's been almost 30 years since that moratorium was placed and the population has not recovered and cod are facing extinction all because of overfishing. Cod are facing extinction? Yeah, there are species at risk. Yes, cod, Atlantic cod Atlantic are cod, okay. uh, endangered. So is it like Pacific cod or like... So that explains why we can still buy cod like at the store. It's just not, you can't get Atlantic cod anymore. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Man, that's wild. As you were talking, and we were talking about the original ones, I was like, man, these people from the old times, they were so stupid because they'd go out in a boat and be like, oh, look, a new island. We'll call that one the, the island of seven cities, and we're never going to go there, but we're going to put it on maps. It's like, these guys are so stupid. And then you fast forward 500 years, and I can just imagine someone from the fisheries being in an office with all the executives being like, let me draw it on the board again. If you farm them so that there is zero left, there is going to be zero left. And they're like, mm, we're not following this quite. Uh, we're just going to keep fishing them. Uh, we'll see what happens. Like, How can people be so dumb? We've always been so stupid. Yeah, it's man, it's bad. It's bad. Like it's the hubris of these commercial fishers to think that they could just fish as much as they wanted and it would be OK and that it would never end. Right. So we talked already. It's, it's, it's like, obviously it's it's, it has happened before, though. Where people are told you shouldn't do this because it's going to go extinct. But is anyone going to listen? Yeah, exactly. Yep. But yeah, maybe people, think- maybe with this self-isolation would have uh, more code in the because <laughs> of the like no one is going to be going out to go fishing yeah. at this time of like, you know, this crisis. The modern day Giovanni is going to be out there in 20 years now, like out on the water, like, yo, bro, it's me here on TikTok. It looks like I'm freaking walking on God. There's so many in the water. Uh, King of England, hit me up. I think this can feed us for now till the end of time. What's up, boys? Comment, like, and subscribe. Hit that bell. I know two, that's not how TikTok I was going to say, I know that's not two, two things. Just Don't forget, I'm doing a giveaway this Sunday. I'm going to be giving out 10 codes to that someone special. Just don't forget to comment. <laughs> Tag three people. Comment, like, my picture and give me a follow. <laughs> While the moratorium was good for the cod as a species, obviously its impacts on the Newfoundland economy were devastating. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, people who had relied on this good, well, debated whether or not it was good work. Another reason for the moratorium that was placed in 1992 was the often like unsafe fishing conditions. Right. Because they were just trying to fish as much as they could. And it was a largely unregulated industry. So the working conditions were also quite poor. Mm -hmm. The waters off of Newfoundland can be unpredictable at best. So I wasn't surprised to read that at all. But this is when you start to see a lot of people moving away from Newfoundland because without the cod, it's not like there were other industries that were booming on the province. So worse than the impact on commercial fishing and jobs for Newfoundlanders was the ability for these families who had subsistence fished 
for generations are now not allowed. Fishing culture on Newfoundland is obviously a huge deal and remains a huge deal. It's so ingrained in Newfoundland culture that in many Newfoundland families today, boys call their father skipper because if your dad had a boat, he was the skipper. And so while you were on the boat, it wasn't dad, it was skipper. Why skipper? So like skipper is like captain. Our guest last week, Amanda Sardi, her brother calls their father skipper. It's, a, it's still an aspect of Newfoundland culture that's very much alive today. And I think it just demonstrates how ingrained the fisheries are in the island culture and in Newfoundlanders as a people. So obviously the restrictions on just being able to go out and fish for your family, it's been really, uh, really devastating. The province has not bounced back. The fish have not bounced back. It's all around a very tough situation and is kind of like a textbook case for departments of fisheries around the world on how to implement restrictions on fishing because once they're gone, they're gone. Right. So now Adam, the time has come. We're going to talk about the minute itself. (laughs) The first thing we're going to talk about is what they got right. Okay. Yeah. This is what I'm dying to know. I mean, I, there was no glaring inaccuracy in the minute for me. Um, so, so here's one thing I'm curious about. Okay. Is the event they depict, the first event, is that like something that we know like actually happened? Like they went and woke him up in the middle of the night and said like, come look at all the fish. I don't know if they woke him up in the middle of the night. The thing about these heritage minutes is that they are based on the best research available. So in this case, presumably it would have been from John Cabot's actual logs of what happened. Right. So whether he was roused in the middle of the night or they simply observed it as they were sailing again, like I mentioned already, I have no reason to doubt that that's what they actually saw when they looked over the side of the boat, just tons and tons and tons of fish. I prefer the version where he was woken up in the middle of the night. (laughs) Yeah, because the thing I'm curious about is like, I've seen water. When it's dark out, it would have been like, come and look. It's completely pitch black down there still, Giovanni. Ah, good. I'm going back to bed. But maybe, maybe because there's so many fish, like it'd be cool because it's night, like the um, the sun would have reflected off their scales a little bit more. The moon, you mean? The moon, yes. The Again, sun. it's important to me that, that you know that the sun is not I out know at night. I misspoke. Give me a break. Um... Also, the guy who wakes him up, his accent <laughs> breaks. His accent breaks for just a second. So he's like, "Oh, Giovanni, John, you gotta come look at the fish." Senor Caboto is actually what they call him. Senor Caboto, <laughs> he's got to come but look at the like, fish. I know that's not how they speak, but his his accent breaks for a minute, and I found that very funny. Yeah, they are doing Italian accents to the best of their ability. I will say, I feel to like the best of their okay. Ability. Just also one more question: Did they cast Italians? Oh, they got Julia Robos to play it again. <laughs> she was the fish that flopped out of the bucket. I I still maintain that Julia Roberts was the cod. Okay. Yes. Yeah, uh, uh, that's all I wanted to know. I'm sold on the Heritage Minute now. As far as who they cast in this minute, the sailor who wakes John Cabot up is Italian. Oh, wow. But Adam, oh. 
You are about to lose your absolute mind. The man who plays John Cabot is a Canadian actor named Bill Colgate, who did voice work on the animated series Beyblade. What? Did you just say Beyblade? (laughs) Beyblade. I thought it was going to be some kind of Canadian show on Beyblade. Isn't that great? Interesting. Wow. I was really hoping for a bigger pop there. Maybe it's that was Beyblade. his breaking role right I there. Thought it was a, I thought because you pointed me out that it was going to be something that directly relates to me. Yeah, Beyblade. Well, uh, maybe I'll probably okay. know more about Beyblade than Adam. That's I true. owned a Beyblade when I was a kid. <laughs> oh, that's enough to get excited about. <laughs> I think it was enough. I don't think it was a that, that was definitely his breaking role right ball. there. Like that's how he got into <laughs> acting and like into like playing Beyblade. They're like, man, your voice was so convincing on that heritage minute. We should get you to do a kids show. Yeah, it was like a long day of interviews and they were like to the last one. It's like, ah, we haven't had anyone good here. <laughs> next, next, come in next. Oh my God, Mr. Capetto, <laughs> your performance in the John Cabot Heritage Minute. Changed my life. I've had a card every day ever since. Also, You've got the part as bystander number three in Beyblade, the animated television series. He also did voice work on Bakugan, but whatever. I guess we're not thinking that these things are cool today. Bakugan's the cards that the things open up on. Yeah. Yeah, sick. Nice. I don't know. I don't know what you want from us. A little excitement would be nice. <laughs> You've got to understand that in this, the day of COVID-19, it's very difficult to get excited about Beyblades. How am I going to get excited about I'm... Beyblades when I can't even use them with my friends? You know, you know what I mean? Like, I can't even because of bring, social distancing. On a what I'm going to do, Beyblade across from the road? Oh, yeah. Were you doing a lot of Beyblading before the pandemic? <laughs> we had an arena. We At played work, yeah. with the kids and it was fun. That's now you true. can't even touch anything. That's true. We should do, like, put a hazmat suit on and be like, spot. okay, let's get at it. So another interesting thing in terms of what they got right that I alluded to a little bit before is this Heritage Minute was made in 1991 and the moratorium on cod fishing wasn't put in place until 1992, which means the pre-production and production and release of this minute glorifying the amount of cod available in the sea came out before the government of Canada was like, hey, actually, it's a pretty shitty situation for the cod. So that timeline is really, really wild to me. And like, as far as the way things were looking in the early 90s, I'm sure that it was fair to be like super excited about the cod. Mm -hmm. But uh, history has painted a different picture for us, unfortunately. Yeah, as soon as I heard the line, Caught until the end of time. I was like, I know that's not true. <laughs> Definitely ironic, right? Yes. It's wild. Cause like literally just a year later, the government of Canada would have come out and been like, oh uh, guys, actually it's looking pretty fucking shitty for these cod. Like that feels like a line that would play in a movie that would then have a hard cut to like a store with like cod sold out. No more cod. Cod doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> yeah. Kind of a deal. Yeah. Wild. Yeah. As far as what they got wrong, I mean, I don't really have any. I think this one, this one is is like the most accurate we've got so far yet. Yeah. I mean, even well, we we saw in the Vikings one that they definitely do their research in terms of costuming. Yeah. 
the costumes at the end uh, in the court of Henry VII, very consistent with Tudor, like early Tudor styles. Henry Just, had a huge All right, let's talk on. about how, <laughs> what, whatever his name was, the guy that was wearing the little, whatever they called him, the hats there, didn't know which one was Henry. He was the guy at the middle of the table. He looked kind of, he had like the Bill Shakespeare looking hair. I would have thought, and, I would have thought like if it was, he, was he like a king or like a prince? Cause like he looked like a prince, not more of a king. He was a king. Jeez. Okay. It's still the early stages of the uh, House of Tudor. So they're still trying to figure out what their aesthetic is going to oh, be. Oh, yeah, okay. Because like the, it's, <laughs> it, just, it just looked a little confusing for a second. Yeah. So that was Henry VII and his other court folk before whom John Cabot would have appeared. And again, that interaction of like getting an audience with the king, that's probably exactly what it looked like. You would get an audience with him whenever he was doing something and you better make it worth his while in this case it was when he was sitting down to eat and john cabot came in and gave the news and it was well received. Well, it looked like he was yeah, like he trying was... to dance the way he was trying to give them like the information <laughs> like he was about to start yeah, some couple wear a dance you know what i mean like he's just like <laughs> and yeah we found the cord yes yes and then we the you can take it and take you could have just stood there and re- deliver the message but then again you gotta like you know, like you said, you gotta be able to uh, t- entertain them. And yeah. I mean, he was excited. He was like, "Oh fuck yeah, we don't have to go to Iceland anymore. <laughs> this is the best day of my life." I hate Iceland. <laughs> I bet you he crashed on Iceland. Iceland. <laughs> so here's one thing I noticed, and I might have my well, I don't know when they're talking to King Henry, as he says, like, "There's enough cod to feed the whole country." The best actor in the entire thing is a dude sitting next to King Henry who's holding a scroll, which he unrolls and holds so that King Henry can look at it. And it, to go back and watch him, his acting is great. He looks at the scroll and then like looks at King Henry like as if like he's like trying to gauge his like his like reaction. But my question, and I might have the answer now, is what the heck could possibly fit on that scroll? Maybe it was like a Maybe, picture of the um, cord, you know, someone drew like... Well, that's- <laughs> Look at all these fucking cod they drew. There's so many. They've got to be telling the truth. It was a cod and then an equal sign and then just a bunch of dollar signs. <laughs> okay. So my thought now they had to sketch it out. So you give him proof, you know, it's like you got to show proof. Yeah. It's like their version of taking a picture, you know, like pics or it didn't happen. It's like scrolls or it didn't happen. Right. Or like, um, or it just had like a, like a number on like 1 million. Like, oh my gosh, there's a million cod. That's the but, biggest number I've ever seen. We didn't even get past 10,000 the last time we tried. <laughs> In reality, was it maybe supposed to be a map of the shore of Newfoundland? Like that seems like, I don't know how that would directly relate to like, yeah, look at this shore. It's got to have a lot of cod. Well, it's all jagged where, and shit. where cartography was such an important part of these colonial missions, I think that that is probably reasonable as proof funnier but yeah i think it's probably reasonable as proof of like hey we found this area and here's its coastline (laughs) i could have just made this coast up yeah it's gotta be real yeah he's like waiting to go into his meeting with henry the seventh he's like oh fuck shit i forgot to draw that map i said i was gonna draw (laughs) and there's like a little child in the streets and he's like here you boy draw me something and the kid just like draws a squiggle no no, it's like uh, I've got to draw it fast. Ah, child, you've spilled my drink. Oh, no, wait, the lines, the lines. 
I could fool any king with this. It looks as good as the city of, or the island of seven <laughs> cities. <laughs> it's so real, believable. And hey, maybe maybe if John Cabot listens to this in the island of the seven cities, he might sponsor us. Yeah, we're going to be, I'm going to be looking in like our, our listener stats. And it, it gives me a little graph of like countries in the world where people are listening from. <laughs> After this episode, there's going to be a little slice of the pie that's going to just be a question mark. And I'll be like, that's that's them. my man. It's my right there. My man yeah. is listening. So, I mean, as far as what they got right versus what they got wrong, there's not really a lot to talk about this time around. I think they did a pretty bang up job. Mm-hmm. But if we were making this minute today, is there anything that either of you would change, especially based on our conversation about cod fishing? I wouldn't change anything. Oh, yeah, I mean, definitely to raise awareness about the overfishing of cod. It makes this minute come off a bit more as like optimistic propaganda from mm-hmm. a better time because the note, presumably, that you're supposed to be left on is John Cabot discovered that cod is a good source of food for this entire kingdom of England. And it remained a good source of food for a long time. Until the year after this heritage minute was made. And you have to, to, you know, you have to infer a little bit based on what you know about cod to come to that conclusion. But I think if they made the minute today, it would end on the note. It would be more of like a cautionary tale of like, be careful if you rely too much on one resource, it may be depleted. Oh, it would probably, yeah, like so think- probably be like something like um, they should use it as a, uh, what you call it, like a commercial for like the fishery. And wildlife, you know what I mean? And be like, yeah, we used to have it, but now it's like being extinct just because oh, like a PSA. you had something. It doesn't mean that it stays for a while. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like a cautionary tale of like, these boneheads thought it would last forever. <laughs> Boy, were they wrong. Uh, so what I, I, I think what you would do nowadays is cut off the first half. So you keep the second half. And that's the beginning now where it's John being like, Fish until the end of time. And then you do the hard cut, I said. And then at yeah. the end, it shows like the effects that it had on communities and stuff that they overfished. I like that. I think that would be a really yeah, that's good pretty cool. minute. Yeah. It would still include history of John Cabot, which whether or not you care about colonizers or not. Uh, but like he did. As the tagline says, part of our history. Did he colonize anyone though? No, because he was, he was highly incompetent. What, the, the only thing that he caught nice was the cod. <laughs> and he d- didn't even do that very well. Yeah. Whether or not he actually put down roots and established a community in Newfoundland, which he did not, he's still part of this tradition of colonizing. So I don't yeah, think he's, yeah, yeah. he's not like absolved of any guilt in that sense because he still upheld this system of going around the world and seeing what was there and taking it for yourself. And actually, I would argue that being the first person to kind of kick off this overfishing of cod does make him a colonizer because he stripped away a part of another place's identity for his own personal gain. So another thing about remaking it, the um, the ship thing Mm -hmm. and it being at night, I'm I'm 100 percent sure that was probably because it's if you're going to film that like that was obviously filmed on a soundstage. Yeah. And so it's way easier to film that in the dark than it is in the light. So it's yeah. just, it was just a uh, cost thing. But if you cut that whole scene out, you cut down the cost a lot. Yeah, true. Um, also, epic music the whole time. <laughs> yeah, the music is great. 
It's cold. <laughs> We've come to that part of the show where it's time for me to quiz you, Gigi. Where I do what? Where it's time for me to quiz you. Oh, you're going to quiz me? Oh, I forgot about yeah. that part. Bring it. <laughs> I'll hit you a couple low balls. All right. Come on. Bring it. What was John Cabot's Italian name? Uh, Giovanni Caboto. Good job. Oh. I take full credit for that one because I said it so many you times. You said it so many times. What was Christopher Columbus's Italian name? Uh, Cristiano Columbus. <laughs> <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo. That's correct. No, See, Chris- hers, hers sounds no more ridiculous than his actual name. <laughs> Cristoforo Colombo. <laughs> what was that? Dumb. Cristoforo Colombo. Christo- oh, boy. Dumb. I'll never remember that. Dumb. I told you. He also got his own TV show. Why did the government of Canada shut down cod fishing? Because it was starting to become extinct. Good job. And your final question. What is the lesson that we can learn from this Heritage Minute? Oh. Iceland sucks. <laughs> Something that we can Gigi? learn from this Heritage Minute? I mean, buy a compass, I guess. So you don't have to, uh, <laughs> you don't have to keep on looking at the same island and call it the island of seven cities. Um, two, you don't colonize. And like, if you find fish, take what you need and go. Don't come back and take more. You know, like be responsible with lessons. like the food that this food substance that we have. Because if we run out, we're going to wither away into a beast. <laughs> Two great lessons you learned. Um, Cod, cod in this day and age can be viewed as symbolism for toilet paper. (laughs) (laughs) Don't overbuy toilet paper. Leave it. Leave it to reproduce so that it can produce more toilet paper. As toilet paper is known to do. Pretty much, yeah. Because like, you know, you're going to need this in the future. Why are people buying toilet paper when you're supposed to be buying Kleenex to wipe your nose, what's like this virus doesn't have anything to do with like any like you know wiping ass? It's not a pooping disease. Well, I think I think the original one was people. Some people weren't smart at the very beginning and overbought it, and then since it's just been a feedback loop of people panic like, buying yeah. in response, so no one actually thinks they need it. They just like no one thinks that they need that much. They just want. To have it, like... Yeah. So it's just a lot of people panic buying because other people are panic buying and it's just a big feedback loop. And then also someone mentioned online, the other big problem with it is, is it's like packs of toilet paper are so big that they take up so much stock so- shell, so like space. So if you buy two, like that's like, it's gone. Jeez, man. So, yeah. so this is yeah. a this perfect is a, example of is, what happened with the cod. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is a public service announcement from Heritage Minutia. Don't hoard supplies. Don't hoard supplies. Wash your hands. Yeah, Yo, y'all got supplies if at you your house because I'm about to roll up. Paper, don't fish cod. Don't fish cod. <laughs> if you bought a shit ton of toilet paper, give some to your neighbors. Redistribute it to the people in your life. You don't need all that toilet paper. I mean, at the end of this episode, I'm feeling pretty good about this heritage minute. I'm not feeling good about colonialism or the extinction of the cod. The colonialism having been the theme of the show. Basically so far, which is, of course, what happens when we go that far back in history. Oh, yeah. I mean, all the early episodes. That's all you're going to be talking about. But I think this Heritage Minute is well made. Oh, yeah. I have no big issues with it. For the time. Great. It seemed 
like they had a good budget. I mean, I'm sure a lot of the supplies they were able to lend from like different theaters and things. But all in all, I think the Heritage Minute was well made. And I think it tells that aspect of history pretty plainly and simply. Yeah, I feel pretty good about this one because I could remember the stuff and uh, I could say now that I know John Cabot. Yeah. How are you feeling now, Adam? I'm still super confused why they named a trail after the dude, but. Because he found the he found the card, and also he got lost. So they were trying to figure out if they could make a trail that could find him. If you build it, he will come. Yeah. <laughs> well, Adam, to you, I pose another question: Who do you think the Champlain Place Mall is named after? Uh, John Champlain. Giovanni Cabotto. <laughs> Samuel de Champlain. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was a well done. Yeah. Minute. Me too. Well, we will be uh, meeting again soon. To do this again. This time we're going to have Until to do it across a ro- the ro- from the road from each other. Oh, yeah. That'll be great for the sound quality. Yeah. <laughs> just us sitting outside. We just have to stop there. Maybe by bad. that time we don't have like traffic in the road anyway. Would be nice. Take care of yourself this week, Gigi. Oh, yeah. I'm going to need that self take. Like that. What do they call it nowadays? Self-love? Self-isolation love? Self-care? What's self-care? I don't self-care know. Different like, now that we're isolated? It's been a... Uh, if I if I manage to be at the end of this week, then oh, and also my birthday is coming, and I'm in freaking isolation. What what kind of bull is that? I am gonna deliver a gift to you, and we can sit six feet apart in your driveway and have a drink. How does that sound? Oh, that sounds awesome. But yeah, like I just wanted to be like you know out there in the world having my favorite meal, and then get blackout drunk. Celebrate the, well, the celebrate me speed. getting old. Three years, three years more to becoming thirty. Jesus Christ, it's coming. Well, keep your spirits up. Take care of yourself. I'm only a phone call away if you need me, Adam. Don't call me. <laughs> we live in the same house. Uh-huh. I no hope promises. you guys take care of uh, yourselves Gigi, you're too. Get a switch or what? Adam, if she drives you crazy, you can always call me. Get a switch so you can come visit my Animal Crossing island. Well, I don't know yet. Like I'm, I'm torn. My island is waiting for you. Can you start a GoFundMe to get a Switch? <laughs> so anyone listening out there in the world, um, I'm looking to buy a Switch. So if you want to, my birthday is coming up. So if you want to um, help a Negro out, I'm, I'm right here. <laughs> Once again, our email address is heritagemanusha at gmail.com. Please get in contact. Or if anyone wants to sponsor this show, Cod Fisheries, not allowed. <laughs> Need not apply. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Heritage Min Pod. You can also find us on Facebook. Like I mentioned earlier, we post the upcoming minutes so you're prepared for every single episode as soon as it drops. You can also find us on Podchaser, where you can sign up for a free account, leave us a rating and a review, follow the show, and it makes it really, really easy for you to recommend it to a friend. So we really appreciate all of the feedback that we have been getting so far. It has been overwhelmingly kind to read all of the words from all of you who have had nothing but nice things to say. So we really appreciate it. Until next week. Bye, Gigi. Bye. Heritage Minutia is hosted by Jenna Noor and Chido Chashe Madani. It's produced by Adam Ganong and edited by Jenna Noor. The theme music is by Adam Ganong, who is also our special guest this week. Sources for this week's episode include... The Heritage Minute, John Cabot by Historica Canada. The Canadian Encyclopedia entries for John Cabot and Atlantic Cod. The article, The Island of the Seven Cities from Geographical Review. 
and the article Global Consequences of Overfishing from Fisheries and Oceans Canada. And the IMDb page for Beyblades. (laughs) 